All right, dope. Well, welcome to another episode of the State of Sports Podcast. This is episode 29. We'll go with the Marcus Camby podcast episode here. And today we'll just break down a first round recap of the NBA playoffs. And then we'll dive into the first round of the NFL draft and touch a little on baseball. We got an interesting event happening today. So we'll talk about that when we get to it. So first off, we'll get into the NBA, and first thing I want to talk about with our podcast, uh, our fellow podcast host who isn't here today, uh, Mac, uh, the fan of the OKC Thunder. Is he a fan? Oh, wait. I mean... I, you guys keep talking. I'm going to pull up the sound clip. <laughs> pull, pull up the clip. Pull it up. Pull, pull it up. up the clip. Well, his, uh, his uh, fan, I guess, I guess he might have been... Might have resigned as a fan after this past uh, this past week after the first round against the Blazers. Blazers ended up beating the OKC Thunder in five games. Wow! Did anybody expect that? <laughs> At least what I predicted was true. Part of what I predicted was true. The Trailblazers won. Props to them. But Damian did drop a 50, 50 piece nugget on them. He did in the last game. He dropped the fifty to win, like to win the series. The, the the amount of like epic things that happened at that buzzer beater for those who didn't see the game winning buzzer beater to knock out the thunder not only did he drain the shot on a step back 3 on Paul George to be fair Paul George wasn't guarding him that hard he hit 50 points with that shot he waved goodbye after and he had like the cold face as everyone was mobbing him he's oh yeah just a great dame dame dollar grade a dame. savage i have the clip so I'm going to play the clip. This is from a couple weeks ago. Let's see. Hopefully people can hear it. First off, um, message to Thunder and Thunder fans everywhere. If we lose this series against the Blazers, it's time to blow it up. Blow up. Like, it's, yeah. it's done. I'm, I don't care. If you lose to this Blazers team, you're garbage. So go out there and make me proud. Otherwise, I'm very seriously questioning whether or not I want to be a fan. <laughs> and after that, I proceeded to freak out. But oh, we, I think we were all freaking out. I was like, whoa, this is going too far here. Like, fan? Yeah, like, pulling your fandom. That's pretty wow. that's a that's a especially for the four of us being such huge sports fans and really really dedicated to our teams. That's a big deal to pull fandom. That's like that. huge. That's, that's huge. That's it's like, huge. I feel I don't know. I was just like I feel like he'd pulled the, the fandom of the Dodgers before he'd pull the fandom of N- the No, nah, I think I think I think he, the Dodgers that's a hard one, especially if you're if you're from LA. That's hard to pull. Fair enough, but yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like he may have just been insensitive to uh, all the like he's grown insensitive to World Series uh, defeats. Oh, but yeah. that but that's enough oh, yeah. about that. We'll touch about baseball later. But talking a little bit more about the series, um, oh my gosh, I really didn't expect it to be Blazers in five. I'll tell you that. Um, I thought it was going to be more longevity. I thought it was going to go like seven, at least six. But man, Dame just balled out that whole series. He owned Russell Westbrook that series and Russell Westbrook did nothing to show for it. Like I just love the the whole like it was obviously the Blazers against the Thunder. But come on. It was, it was really Dame. Russ Russell oh, yeah. Westbrook versus Damian Lillard. And you could see it, I forgot which game it was. I think it was either game three or game four, where they both went back and forth. They kept going back and forth, trading shots, and they were just talking trash at each other. Not at anyone else on the team, just at each other. Right. But it wasn't out of hand. It was just 
they let their game do in the talk do the talking and then they would talk the trash which i thought was like that is the epitome of what you would hope for when it comes to trash talking in a, an nba game like that mm-hmm. where forget everything it's not, else it's not even a team it's, n- it's not just the team and you're not making any personal attacks it's just my game against yours yep and what i loved about that the most was after the Blazers game three loss, was it? Their loss came in game three, where Damian Lillard took the press conference and answered every single question that was thrown at him trying to start stuff up with Russell Westbrook. He answered every question so calmly and so, um, like, un- unprovoking. He wasn't, Yeah, with a lot of class. Right, a lot of class. and True so, professional. Right. And then you go on the other end, you see how Westbrook was handling every interview. Next question. Next question. Even got Paul George again involved and say next question, and so it was. It was just you saw the the difference between the two players, and then I mean you definitely saw the difference between the two in the series. So go ahead. I was gonna say, speaking of press conferences, um, did you see the press conference for Westbrook, like the exit press conference? No. Um, like amidst all this, like press for Dame and how Dame completely bodied, he sunned, he sunned Westbrook <laughs> in the series. <laughs> People, you have to understand, he's son Westbrook. Um, Dame, uh, Russ was actually somewhat like apologetic and at the same time, uh, like acknowledged the the flaws in his game. Like he's the fact that he's starting to acknowledge the flaws, like, yeah, I need to become a better shooter next year. That's a step in the right direction. Whether he does it or not, it waits to be seen, but at least he admits that, at least in this series and for the past whole season, he hasn't been the best shooter. But to go back onto uh, Dame in the press conference, I remember there's this one quote um, about how Russ was switching off uh, Dame, so Paul would guard, uh, Paul George or PG would guard him. Yeah, he was like, "Don't run away from this ass whooping," and I was like, <laughs> "Yo, Dame is like talking straight facts because this is I don't think this was um, after the series ended, but this was like during the series. I was like, mm-hmm. and this is like, don't run away. You still got a chance to guard me. Yeah, and." On that last position, he didn't guard him. Paul George, I don't know, just <sighs> said it, let it happen. I want to talk about that, too, how Paul George came out and said that was a bad shot that he took. And I was just like, bad shot or not? He made it. He made it. So He could have guarded him closer. Oh, yeah. That's what I was wondering the whole time. They saw the clock was down to three seconds, and he was still dribbling the ball near the logo. As a defender, you kind of got to think, well... He only has maybe one of two places he's going to shoot this ball from three or maybe do a quick run-up in mid-range shot. You, There's no way you're getting a layup out of three seconds in that situation. Yeah. So I didn't understand what Paul George was thinking at that time. But, I mean, Damian Lillard, you have to guard him at all points on the floor at that point just because he started out the series. Well, the very first shot he took in that series was deep three on the cor- on the brand name on the floor like yeah, the, the corner the corner of the half court yeah brand logo. that was ridiculous i was gonna say it, it, it's funny that he called it a bad shot um analytics were run um people on reddit saw that dame's the third best score from the 30 to 40, 40 foot range oh i saw he's, that he's mm-hmm. third only to trey young which is actually surprising and then steph and then there's dame and for pg to call them that a bad shot that's disrespectful because he's yeah. he's he's a sniper he is he is yeah so, I mean, we can move on to the next matchup if you want, unless yeah, you guys fine. want to that's slander Mac good, more. No, no we're good. We're good. I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to take it easy on him today. Oh, you want to go off? Actually, I, I kind of do. I kind of want to go a little more onto okay, it. Okay, okay. 
mainly like what's next for OKC. That's what I kind of want to talk about. Like, what do you see them doing in the next couple of years to maybe right the ship or maybe just blow it up? I think they blow it up. It's completely. You have to. Ooh, have to. You you have to blow. You have to get rid of one of the one of the core two. If or well, technically, I, w- I would consider Stephen Adams. Okay, yeah, yeah, as a part of the three. You have to, yeah. I think you have to get a. You have to get rid of one. Minimum. Yes. Minimum. You have to get rid of one. Because both, all three of them are at the highest value you could have for them right now. Yeah. You might get a little more extra production out of Steven Adams and he, his stock might ri- rise, but I doubt you're going to get more value out of Russ or PG right now. On, or even I'll, in the next couple of years. I'll be honest. I'd trade Russ. I would too. Wow. Honestly, That's I, a bull move. See, I would too. Because Dennis Schroeder is not that bad. You run him in. I a, mean, he you started run him in a, for in, the fifty you, win Hawks. So yeah, you run him with a pick and roll uh, with Stephen Adams. He's pretty good, and you still have Paul George there. It's not like Dennis Schroeder is like a complete score first point guard. We know he's um, more score oriented rather than passing. But I, I still think that you can get a considerable value for Russ. Two first rounders. That's what I and think. And a starter. I, you got to look. You got to look for a draft pick package with russell westbrook yes kind of got to look to just rebuild at that position i think they're gonna i actually think they're gonna find more value in trading paul george because oh, oh, salary yeah, okay. salary wise oh it's true paul george is remember y'all we're bringing it back to like episode back to like episode like 21 or something like that it's all about the finances paul george is two years he's done next year after this upcoming season it's a rental it's a rental you you pick a team that's trying to make a big push you know fringe team trade the future for the now yep yeah and you the trust me there are teams right now that are set up to be quite good as in like this upcoming season the nets being one of them so you never know Ooh, a you nets could trade uh, that's that's a little hypothetical a little too <laughs> hypothetical uh, my friend my friend joey glenn, actually, my friend joey glenn who's a nets fan would be really happy for me to say that but yeah, that's actually, that's actually a pretty good trade because they've been thinking about Jimmy Butler going there. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about that when that comes. Exactly, but I say I think I think they might get a little more value out of true. Paul George. True, right? Well, right now he's but more yeah, appealing yeah. because Russ's uh, salary does he's on handi- that big contract does he's on handicap some teams because it's not right. like baseball or soccer where there's no salary cap. NBA uh, there's obviously a salary cap then there's and a luxury, luxury tax. tax. Yeah. Yep. Wow, a lot that goes into that. So we can move on to the next series. Uh, the next one I want to talk about isn't over yet. It's the Nuggets and Spurs series. So this one I wanted to talk about mainly because I just want to toot my own horn because I kind of predicted that this would go seven. I said Spurs in seven, though. But this has been I think I said Spurs in six. You said, said Spurs in six? That's what I said, too. Spurs in six? Yeah. Yeah, I think, so I think we all said Spurs. Mac was the only one that said Nuggets, but he said Nuggets in seven. So his prediction could be right as well. But this has just been a back and forth series. Like it's been, it's been very interesting. I, the, uh, what Spurs came out with this, they tied it up, uh, make it three three again. Go on game seven. They're gonna go back to Denver for this one. And man, I just want to know what you guys think is gonna go down. I think Denver's gonna pull it off. Much to much to my satisfaction, I want because I want I want the Spurs to win. Because I just want, you know, you know that feeling of, uh, you know how we were talking about the Sixers uh, Celtic series, how uh, the Sixers won one and it got into their heads. I think if the Nuggets win the series, 
it'll get into their heads thinking that, okay, we're more than just a first-round team. When if they lose to the Spurs, which I want to happen, but I don't think will happen, they won't have that mindset that we got to work hard. Because look at the path, like the games that they lost. Jamal Murray and Gary Harris both were ice cold, like really, really ice cold. And that, yes, you have to say that is a big part of their offense, but there has to be more contributing factors besides Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray and Gary Harris on that team. And I know that it's the playoffs and it's a shortened rotation, but there has to be more production. There has to be more consistency. And I think that getting getting losing Game 7 at your home, on home court, would, I don't know, get that idea like we have to come back even stronger. I know we were the second seed in the West, and I know that we just got um, beaten by the seventh seed, Spurs, who weren't even supposed to be here. But with that in mind, we should get better, a lot better. I think, I don't know if I have the comment to talk about that, but that is a good point to make. My whole thing is, what we talked about when we talked about going into this series, the factors that, the reason why I said Spurs in six was because you have a very inexperienced Nuggets team, and in their losses, it's been very apparent. It's been very apparent they're an inexperienced team, and they haven't quite figured out, at least Jamal Murray and Gary Harris haven't, that you can't really have a bad game in the playoffs. That you can't afford to. And, and it's showing now because now they're in a game seven against a seventh seed who, like you said, wasn't really supposed to be there. And it's kind of scary. You got to be scared if you're the Nuggets. Oh, yeah. You, you got to be. to be worried. I mean, all that work you put in to get to the second seed of the whole regular season. Because, yeah, it's like it's not even just this whole season. But I remember our first podcast I was uploaded on Spotify, the offseason special. Yeah, when we were talking about yeah, just you that, that off season was something that the Nuggets could look back on, where they lock up um, Paul Millsap, Will Barton, they sign Nikola Jokic. That that would be the season where they look back on they've gotten everything right. But now you're here. Now you've you're bearing the fruits, but it's looking like it may be a bad harvest this year. It, it's it's I don't know. It's it's a good harvest. It's a bad harvest in just the way that. It played out. You got really young guys. If they didn't weren't the second seed, if they were like a bottom half of the of the West team, I would say this this playoff this playoff series is very beneficial. But they're not. They're the second seed. Yeah. So right. you, you expect teams to at least. I mean, even, we'll get to the series about the Warriors and the Clippers in a little bit. But you expect certain things out of out of that kind of series. Oh right, especially being a second seed. Yeah. You kind of expect to. Almost walk out of that first round, gentlemen sweep. Yeah, gentlemen sweep six games if necessary. Right, and it's and it's you go up. You're you're up three two going into that six. Like you're you're commanding three two, not a just a oh three two. It's kind of close. Whereas this series has been super close, whole way through time, whole way through. And so I kind of I bring up brings up another question I wanted to ask um, about this series. Who do you mainly want to see? matched up against the Blazers after this series. What would what would you think would be a better matchup to watch or storyline-wise? I say the Nuggets will be a better watch and storyline because if Dame and CJ, shout to CJ who's been balling out in the playoffs, if Dame and CJ beat the the Nuggets, which I think they will, solely because the Thunder, solely because the Nuggets will be tired after this long seven-game series. If they do that, I think the, the credibility, at least of the Trailblazers, goes up. And you'll think of this team in a much greater light rather than just the playoff disappointments that they had like last year and years past. 
But you also have to think the Spurs against the Trailblazers, what a great storyline that would be for Pop. Um, just getting back there, defeating what we would would have called before the playoff series started a juggernaut in the West, being Denver. Um, for them to go up against a team that really shouldn't have beat the Thunder, or we weren't, we weren't <laughs> expecting to beat the Thunder, although yeah. they did. So it could mean Pop could make it to the Eastern, the Western Conference Finals if if he does uh, beat the Blazers in the next round, saying that they do make the next round. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think it'd be really cool to see the the, the Nuggets, though. The Nuggets, that storyline, the matchups. I want to see Cantor against against Jokic. I want to see Jamal Murray against Dame and Gary Harris against McCollum. It's going to be very cool if you see those two teams go at it. It'd be a high offense game. It would oh, be yeah. a lot of offense. A lot of offense. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. I, don't know. I really I really like the, the Nuggets-Portland uh, matchup, too, a lot. Just because it reminds me of almost like a new NBA. Like, you kind of don't – I mean, Pop not being – a being there in a deep playoff run anymore and then um on the on the other hand you had the portland get knocked out in the very first round last season by the pelicans and swept swept Swept, just straight up swept so that's why that's why i'm kind of i kind of do i want the nuggets to match up against portland next round i don't think they will i still say spurs in seven but i storyline wise and to watch it would be a lot more fun to see the nuggets play and so uh we'll stay in the western conference for this last i don't really want to talk about much about houston rockets and jazz unless you guys wanted to because that there's there's not much to talk about um we we called it though right didn't we call it no no we didn't we didn't often we almost called it yeah we 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 said the first first team the first team to win the the team who wins game one wins the series or sweep the series we thought it was gonna be a sweep it it looked like it was gonna be a sweep it was close but donovan mitchell said no Yeah. yeah in the fourth quarter Yep, he saved it. I, I kind of do want to take a pit stop here, though, really quick okay. Okay. before we move on. Okay, because, because we talked about this matchup last year, and after they lost, I was like, this is such a good thing for the Jazz to take a game off Houston. Like, it's important. They're a young team developing, and them to take a game off, off of a juggernaut of a of a team like the Rockets at last year, like that's a huge, huge step in development. You go into the locker room after a loss like that, and you're like, hey, we're legit. We took a game off a juggernaut of a team, of a great team, and that offseason looked very different for them. But also, with the rant, with the whole drama of the season for them, for the Jazz to figure out who the heck was their primary option, now that you lose in five, you're wondering to yourselves, where do we go from here? Because we have a really good core, but we actually didn't really, we improved, but not really. Everyone's aging. Everyone's aging, and it's just another year gone by where we only win one playoff game against a very good team. It was good when we had, when the guys were younger, in the in last year when you had Donovan Mitchell as a rookie. But now as a sophomore, he struggled. The oh, team definitely. has struggled to find their offensive identity. So you're wondering now if you're the Jazz, what what does that what does that offseason look like? It's not the same as as this past one. So I think the Jazz front office is going to have to find some good smart moves, possibly trade. Because you have to think, Joe Ingles, he's not getting any younger. We know Jay Crowder's definitely not getting any younger. And last year, they were relying on those guys for supplemental offense. We know Rudy Gobert's going to hold down the inside, and that's perfectly fine. And then you have Derek Favors, who I still don't understand why you signed him for it to a two-year 36 mil contract. But I'm not a front office exec. But <laughs> he's aging too. So 
it's a lot of this team that's aging, and Donovan Mitchell hasn't made a noticeable improvement from the first year. Yes, we know he struggled um, early on in the season, but he did find his footing. Give props to him. He did find his footing um, midway through the season, but the team hasn't taken a step forward. They were like, to me, there was no improvement in my in my mind. Yeah, like when, when, I, when I look the at the, from last year, or end of last year to end of this year, net gain zero, not negative, not positive, zero. I completely agree. That's with fair. That. Yeah. yeah, I can see that too. I'm I'm saying um, instead of just going back at it like they did this season, they didn't even really reload or anything or go out and get any more pieces really it was just all right well donovan mitchell was a spark of hope for us hopefully he can carry us next time the next playoff run and obviously it showed that he he struggled so that doesn't help but kind of showed that the jazz kind of do need to go out and find another piece to help them kind of get over the hump and so i wanted to ask like what what piece do you guys think would be necessary wing. for a team like that? Wing is correct. I just think it's going to be really hard. Oh yeah, because Utah's it's a, a tiny market, small market, tiny market team. They're not really trending. They're, you don't, the league doesn't really. I, don't, I think from the outside looking in, you don't even know where they're trending up or down. I really don't know. It's, ne- it's net, net zero. Net zero. So how do you? How they do have you, a decent draft pick, so it's not like they're going to get any extremely top talent. So they're going to have exactly. to find a steal. Right. And it's also going to have to be, how do you appeal to free agents? How do you appeal? You go up there into the meeting, you say, yeah, uh, yeah, we're we're in Utah. Solid, solid time. And uh, yeah, we got Donovan Mitchell. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you got Donovan how about I just How about I just pack my bags and head to LA and join LeBron? Mm-hmm. They got cap space. You're gonna, it's going to be shrewd moves that are going to end up helping them out, like little diamonds in the rough that you're going to have to find as, as the Utah Jazz organization because you, since you are trending in such a weird direction, actually no direction, you're going to have to figure out how to market your team that has no direction. Yeah, because any, any player walking into a uh, free agent meeting um, is going to just be like, so where's okay. this team going? Where's this team going? How do you see us competing against teams like the Rockets again, the Warriors, even the Lakers, Nuggets? And you kind of have a loaded Western Conference. And so any free agent player going in to talk is going to be like, where, do, where, we, where would we finish within, within this conference? Like, what's, what's the ceiling? What's our goal here? Are we going championship push all out right now? Or are we going to wait it out? wait for some of these super teams to kind of collapse and then maybe make a push later on or yeah you're going to have to have that have that discussion once the offseason comes but yeah it is what it is until then we got to keep looking keep looking to improve <laughs> net need a net of at least plus 1 yeah they, <laughs> they need they they need a net positive somehow <laughs> next year some way anyway okay we can move on to this Warriors Clippers series, which actually became a little more interesting than Sweet I Lou. expected, at least. Um, Matt's rolling his eyes over here. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go ahead. I want to hear what you got. Just roll my eyes because, like, I think it, it's funny. Remember how I used how I was saying during the regular season, whenever the Warriors get blown out by like thirty, be like, they're not. They're playing for April. Yep. They're playing for April. It's April. It's April, but I'm really like they're playing for May. <laughs> They're playing it for looks May. Like I, that, I, I know. Yeah. Like I, it, it, it don't. But you gotta admit that's what it looks like. Yeah. though. they're playing for May. They're not even really concerned. They're concerned. They're focused. And what I love about it is that they're like, we're not. We're gonna. Obviously, we have a game plan, and we're just gonna stick to it. I mean, why would you get frantic to change anything when they're the back-to-back champs? 
And why would you? Most right. teams can't even – the fact that the Clippers took two games off them, that's already impressive in itself. But, you know, most teams aren't going to be able to do that. Like, you have to do something historic. And in the game – in the last game that they won – Oh, yeah. There was history behind it. I forgot what it was. I think it was like – The first win was the biggest playoff comeback. comeback. Yeah. And if you noticed, two last year against – when the Warriors played the Cavs in the, in, the, in the finals, the only way that the Cavs were able to take a game – was because they did something historic. Yeah, three one. And what was the the exactly? What was the? Uh, you had. To, I mean, like that's the thing. In, in order to beat the Warriors, you have to basically rewrite history. Well, I know the, the Clippers are are were down three one last or two nights ago. Now they're three two. Can they even up the series tonight in we'll L A? Hey, they're we'll in see. LA. There's a chance. There's we'll see. It's really gonna. I just know. It's like for at least for me coming out from the outside and knowing you and how lax you are, I have to understand that too. It's like. I, I, there's like a 99.9% chance th- they lose the series. Uh, the Clippers lose the series. And, like everyone and their mother expects the, the Warriors to make at least the finals. At and least. This, and this, at least. At least. I know. And this is just a bump in the road, but it's a bigger bump than a lot of people thought. I expected one game. I'll admit that. It is a bigger bump than, than what people thought. And, I'll, and I give respect when it's, when it's due. Lou Will. Because Lou Will's been going off. Pat Bev. and Montrezl Harrell. Montrezl Harrell. All three of them have been going off. They're all playing together. That's what I love about watching the Clippers because I will never knock them for taking these two games because they really went out and earned those two games. Yep. Lou Will's four-point play two nights ago. Uh, mm-hmm. That was questionable. That was a questionable four-point play, but that was a good shot. But that was a good shot. But it was a good shot. They executed down yeah. the road, yeah. and, that's, and, that's what, and that's what's important. But we'll see. We'll see tonight. And I'm honestly, as a Warrior fan, how can you, especially when you're, you're you have the same mindset as other teams who have gone and won multiple championships, mm-hmm. you can't really be like upset at them. Obviously, like they're playing, they're they're playing and they're doing their best, but you're also playing on house money that you know Peyton and I are Warriors fans and we won three championships in four years. Right. So how do you, how can you be upset? Obviously, this is a great team, but how could you be upset if they lose like one or two games? Yeah, especially it's probably actually better for the league financially. Well, yeah. Oh yeah, it is. So most likely, yeah. Where they don't, where they don't go sick. What sixteen and one? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, through the playoffs, just so, skating through. Yeah. So yeah, all right. Well, we kind of covered the whole Western Conference. We can move over to the Eastern Conference now. Uh, we got the Bucks, who ended up taking out the uh, the Pistons in the very first round. Shout out to Blake Griffin. Shout out to Blake Griffin. Blake yeah. Griffin played what ha- half the game on a bum leg. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, shook hands with the press afterwards. I don't know. He's really evolved. Um, leaving LA, going to Detroit. Um, I, I don't know. He's evolved as like a leader. Um, the way he conducts himself. I don't know. Like I feel like there was he had this angst towards the LA media, which he doesn't have. He has a respect. He has there's I don't know some like I don't know. He just has like this this it factor of I'm a leader now here for this oh, team yeah. that he he's didn't got poise. have. He's got he's poise. Got poise. He's he's been through the trenches with LA, and now he wants to prevent that from happening in Detroit and I respect him. I, he's played great. He's evolved his game, which a lot of people uh, overlook. His his handles, first of all, his handles on the perimeter and the three-point shot. Like do you see him like when he dribbles the ball through his legs and then pops it behind pulls up pulls up for three and drills it. I was like 3 years ago that would never happen. No. But never. Bl- Blake's an, I would say he's a new man, he's evolved and I'm glad to see it. Very fun to see, at least. I yes. love watching the new Blake. So, but this 
sad to see him go now in the yes. first round, but uh, that just makes it for an even interesting round two matchup with the Bucks, who have the Boston Celtics in this next round. They shocked me. They uh, shot do, we, do we want do we want to uh, talk about the Celtics Pacers before we go into? Did you guys want to touch on that? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, I was yeah. I was just yeah, saying yeah, how yeah. they shocked me. And uh, again, shout out to my to my boy Satish Bisa. Uh, he's a New England fan. He's a Boston Celtics fan. They shocked me. They genuinely shocked me in the first round. I knew they were. I knew that the series was going to be very interesting going in against the Pacers because you know obviously, even though without Victor Oladipo, the Pacers are still a very well coached and a very well run team. So I was expecting, respectfully, well, a, few, a few slip ups. Yeah, a few slip ups. Yeah. But that didn't happen. And we actually remember we were talking how the Pacers and the Celtics are two defensive teams. All the games were low scoring, all of them. Mm-hmm. And that is going to be very interesting. Now that we talked, we talked about it last week. We'll talk about it again this week that this upcoming series is going to be very interesting. One of the fastest paced teams in the NBA. Versus one of the slowest paced teams, teams in the NBA. NBA. Yeah. So before I before we talk a little more about but that matchup, we can finish off with the rest of the first round matchups with the Raptors taking out the Magic in five games, and then you had the Sixers ended up uh, reverse sweeping the Nets. Right. And the Nets came out one game one, and then six. It was all Sixers from there. So. Now, that's an, another interesting matchup in the Eastern Conference in the second round. They have the Sixers and the Raptors, as we were talking about this on the last cast. So now you have Sixers, Raptors, and you have Bucks and Celtics. Which one is the more intriguing matchup? Bucks, Celtics. Oh, yeah. Like, I was going like, to say, like, too. I, I'm going to touch on the, the Raptors-Sixers matchup real quick. Raptors-Sixers. It's, uh, it's Raptors and six. I, I see. I see the Sixers winning two games. One of them, Embiid plays great, and it gives some glimmer of hope. Like, oh my goodness, Embiid! If if he brings us every night, he can win us a championship. But that's not going to happen. We all know Kawhi will easily body, and I mean body Ben Simmons, who cannot make a jump shot for his life. Um, the depth, and I understand that it's a shortened rotation, but the depth of. Philadelphia will be exposed, exposed in this series. I believe it will be exposed, and the depth will also be showcased on Toronto's end. I know that OG Ananobi is still out. I believe he did have like an some like an, an appendectomy uh, right before the playoffs start. I know he's out until the conference finals, by yeah. what I heard. But I still believe that the depth of the Toronto Raptors will ultimately be the deciding factor in why they win. It's not that the the starting fives on both teams are there's a mismatch in that area. I think that when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, there's playoff experience. There are players who have proved it. Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry, who has started to rust, uh, uh, shake off that early playoff rust. Obviously, the first game of the Orlando series, we all know he didn't score a single point. You also have Danny Green, who's been through the wars. You also have Marcus Saul, who's been through the wars. I, I think that this team has enough experience to shut down anything that the Sixers can bring talent wise. And I understand that Embiid's a mismatch against Gasol, but keep in mind Gasol was all NBA or all NBA defense and defensive player of the year a few times. I'm sure that Gasol can slow anything Embiid throws at him. Yeah, he's raps, he, raps and six. He said it well. I'm gonna go with that prediction too. Raps and six. Mm-hmm. I, here we go. I, I want to hear this. I want to hear this Sixers take. It's just uh, 
Of course. Well, I think everybody knows at this point. I've been high on the Sixers almost all season. I've been saying it since the very beginning. I say Sixers were going to be a top team in the East. I have not been high on the Sixers, by the oh, way. I just yeah, say nobody that. else has. Nobody else here has. It's because we haven't seen it. I, I, for me, I haven't seen everyone play together and beat a big team. Once they show that, and if they do show that against Toronto, fantastic. But I just don't see it happening. I think Toronto limits the production from the star players. I say the only X factor is going to be Jimmy Butler. I feel like Jimmy Butler kind of has a mismatch on the other end. Because who, who, who Danny they, Green? Da- do you think Danny Green will still be able to lock down Jimmy Butler? I think he, he'll slow him down. Do you, uh, and then, like, if we go down the line, let's honestly go down the line. We know when Bede beats Gasol. Yeah. I think Pascal beats Tobias. Disagree. Disagree right there. They both Agreed beat each disagree. other. They, they both beat each other on both ends. I think Pascal beats him on offense and Tobias beats him on, on offense. Kawhi easily beats Ben. I can see that. Kyle against who? Probably be JJ. JJ. Against JJ. Kyle wins. And Jimmy Butler versus Danny Green. Jimmy Butler wins, but it's not big. It's interesting. Let's just say that. Let's 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 before we get too far deep into the debate, it's going to be interesting. I think a key factor here is going to be getting Tobias Harris going, actually mm. getting him going. Because when I've watched him in the last series, he's only been getting going when no one else is on the floor. Right. When Embiid or Simmons is not really doing much. And he has to do it himself, which is basically the persona of how he was back in when he was in L.A. earlier in the season. He was the system. He was the system. So I think the series is going to come down to can they integrate Tobias Harris, actually integrate him? Because if they don't, you're going to get more looks from Ben Simmons, who's going to complain about not getting fouls at the rim, but in reality he can't make the free throws to begin with, so he should be complaining. And you're going to rely heavily on Embiid. Now you can do that, but the caveat is that Injury. Injury. And you're also running so much usage that he's going to get tired. He's going to get tired. He is not James Harden. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm telling you straight up. His game is more physical. Exactly. So, I think this whole series is going to come down to Tobias Harris. Straight up. I straight wow. up. Good take. Okay. Good take. Okay. Boom. Mic drop. I'm not going to actually <laughs> drop the mic. Okay. I I like to give the Sixers hope only because... I feel like if they play a high-paced offense against the Raptors, they have an advantage. I feel like Sixers are probably – it probably doesn't look like it, but they're if, – if you watch them play, I think they're one of the most deadly teams in the league on the break. They can do a lot of things when they have guys running down the floor, especially Ben Simmons with Jimmy Butler or Tobias Harris. You got a lot of options every time you're running down the floor. And so, of course, that only comes from starters. So – that's the pace of play for the starters has to be much quicker and it has to be at such a high level offense to the point where you kind of want to keep the Raptors on their heels most of the time. You don't want them getting many defensive sets. If they get into a lot of defensive sets, Kawhi is going to be right on Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is going to be hindered in the offense. And of course that hinders the rest of the offense for the Sixers. So, the key there is to neutralize that mismatch matchup for that defensive matchup against Kawhi and Ben Simmons is just run the floor. Of course, Jared Dudley was calling Ben Simmons out last series about how he is not a half-court player. 
And he kind of he was he wasn't wrong. He's not he wrong. He was not that wrong. Is straight facts. So, go ahead. Well, one last closing thought on this Sixers series. The reason why I'm kind of a Sixers hater for right now is mainly because I see so much potential in the Sixers young core. I kind of want them to be humbled a little bit. Oh, Have a nice okay. slice of humble pie. I get swept. <laughs> Straight up. I mean, Straight we talked like Nick and I talked about this in depth uh, multiple multiple times. Last playoffs. Last playoffs when they won that one game against Boston, against the number 1 seed of Boston, I gave, I think it made them cocky. I think it, made, it gave them validation that they're a good team. And they are a good team. Don't let, don't let, don't get don't get that mess, mess, mixed up. They're a great team. But I think it's time for some humble pie, especially from two guys Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid who are supposed to be the example and they and Joel Embiid's doing a lot better. He's being actually he's maturing very well into being a leader a leader with confidence. I think a nice slice of humble pie or a whole freaking pie their way. I think that would actually do them more actually do them better than them taking a couple games off against the Raptors. Because again, you get swept like that, your offseason looks so different than if you take mm-hmm. two games off. You get swept, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are in the gym the next day. Type of deal. No so, doubt. La- last thought to your last thought. It's that, that slice of humble pie, it's not even for Joel Embiid because I like where Joel Embiid has what he's done this year. True. Early on, um, MVP consideration, obviously before Giannis got going and whatnot. But Ben Simmons, I, like this dude I has got with that. so much I agree with that. potential. It's like. I, I like I, I like I I don't I don't get it sometimes. It's like it's like when you look at a, a baseball player that he's like a, a freak athlete, but he has no skill. He can't hit the ball and he can't get on base or walk. If Ben Simmons can develop that skill, that finesse, that touch around the rim, we we know he can do that. But make shots, make shots. That's all he has to do. Make jump shots. If he can do that. His game expands so much because people are going to have to respect him, and it opens opens up more facets, opens up a lot of his athleticism to be showcased. I'd like to see the same transformation that Blake Griffin had. Yes, on Ben Simmons's Ooh, game. Yes, yeah. that's good. That'd be great to see. Now imagine if Blake Griffin had the passing ability of Ben Simmons; I, he'd be ungodly. But that's the kind of potential that we're looking at with Ben Simmons. With ben Simmons. Anyway. Next Go series. Go ahead, Peyton. Anyway, um, did you guys want to talk a little more about the Bucks Celtics matchup and see any predictions on that? Pace, pace, pace. That's all I got to say. That's what's going to decide the game, decide the series. Uh, it's I got to say Bucks in six or five. It depends on does Boston win the first game, then it'll be Bucks in six. Does Bucks win the first game, Bucks in five? Interesting. I say either way, Bucks and Six, just because there's going to be two games where Giannis. it's going to it's going to it's going to be two games where the score is going to be like ninety five to eighty four, and Boston's going to come out on top. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be like absurdly low scoring, and Kyrie's going to have like thirty, but they're only going to score like ninety five points. Yeah, and it's just going to how it's going to be. Fair enough. So yeah. pace, pace, pace. That's, that's how I see it going. I see Bucks and Six in that one. Um, Really, no question to it. I really don't think it would go any more, any less. Really, six is like it sounds and just seems like it the sounds perfect. right because five is like ah, we it's respect, kind of disrespectful we respect to, to, to Boston. Yeah, 
Yeah. And four, we obviously know that there's no way that Boston's going to go in four, or else Kyrie's gone, and there's a whole there's a whole they bag of worms. Blow it up. They blow it up. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I see six mainly because I see the Celtics just one game at home. I say it's the very first home game where they're just. Um, they're killing it. They come out hot, and then they don't stop. They really are just pouring on buckets on buckets. And they probably probably won't even pass much, like 110 maybe. Like, it, they won't be very high. Because they, they didn't the score over 110 against the... the the uh, Pacers? The Pacers. Right. Uh, yeah, they scored... Right. Yeah, 110 to 106 was the last game. Right. So high, isn't that, Wasn't that the highest scoring game in the series? Yeah. Right, that's that's going to be their highest scoring game, and then it's just going to come at the same time where, uh, on the defensive end, the Celtics are going to find a way to basically make Giannis struggle a little bit. Giannis will probably have his poorest game, um, that game three matchup, just yeah. just because he's on the road. Uh, Celtics, I mean, being a, a higher level team than Detroit, obviously, um, is going to kind of bring them some problems. Just from what I I think, uh, you have to think he goes ham first two games. Oh, and then yeah. t- game three, he's yeah. a little bit tired, and then he that's his off night, and we understand that's why they lose. But yeah, Bucks and six, Bucks yeah. and six. Yeah, I just think that the the Celtics match up better with the supporting players on the Bucks than the Pistons do, like through and through. They, they even though they might not bring the same offensive output, I think the Celtics match up a little better with the Bucks in their supporting yeah. roles. Like I think Kyrie, like. Going in against the Pistons, really the only person you really have to you really have to worry about is Blake. So you put someone on Blake and you're good. Whereas this team, it's not really. I mean Kyrie, but you're you're gonna put Eric Bledsoe on Kyrie, and that's yeah. that's a problem. Yeah. Even if you put Chris Middleton on on Kyrie, I still think that's still gonna be a problem for the Bucks. And I think that the other guys, the the young wing level players, can hold their own. I don't think they're gonna like stop anyone, but I think they're gonna hold their own quite well. Against this Bucks team, better than everyone thinks. Now it's just going to be who's guarding Giannis. So, yeah. but that's that's the that's story. Almost every matchup, exactly. The Bucks, and that's so. gonna and that's really you're gonna you're gonna not, you're gonna run into that problem throughout the playoffs. You're gonna run that into that problem like consistently. So, all right. So we touched all on to the NBA. So uh, we can move on to this recent uh, NFL draft. Round one has passed. I think. Round two is coming up later today. Uh, this cast will be out by tomorrow. So round two will be over. But really just want to talk about more of round one and how we saw Kyler Murray go the number one overall pick to the Cardinals. And I kind of wanted to hear what you guys think of that pick and what the Cardinals are going for, going what direction they're going in with this pick. I don't know. It's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to pass that up. I know you you have Josh Rosen, right? Is right. the mm-hmm. is the quarterback. But it's kind of hard to pass up Kyler. It's such a great season. Yeah, I know he's kind of a small guy, but still I think it's kind of hard to pass him up. I think that was a good pick. But for me, honestly, I'm just excited. I'm just as not as a resident Niners fan, I'm just glad that the Niners didn't screw up their pick. Oh, and they yeah. picked who they should have picked. Oh, right. yeah. So, so Nick Bosa, if anybody was wondering, went number two to the 49ers. Yep. Uh, defensive end out of Ohio State. And younger so brother of Joey Bosa. Younger brother of Joey Bosa. So it was definitely the player they were looking at most of the offseason. And so definitely a big pick for him. I, was remember, I remember reading uh, 
Kyle Shanahan was talking about how when they went out into this draft, they were looking for closers in players, both on the offensive end and defensive end, guys that you can put in in the fourth quarter and go and close out those one-possession games uh, down the stretch because the Niners had 11, 11 matchups where they lost by one possession in this past season. So they're really addressing a need there, more mainly on the defensive end, and they say the defensive end is a big closing position, and they say Nick Bosa is that guy for that for that role. So, Yeah, you have to think that Nick Bosa's proven himself at Ohio State. Obviously, he got injured halfway through the season. Then he declared that he's going to be in the draft, and he's not going to resume team activities just to maintain his health. Because he, for those who didn't know, he had um, a torn core muscle, by what I remember. So it had he had to have uh, time to heal that. And I think Nick Bosa's... I don't know, like coming off the first two picks, if Arizona picked Nick Bosa, it would have screwed a lot of things for oh, the Niners. Because yeah. I think change. Nick Bosa is a perfect fit for the Niners, whereas I do not think Kyler Murray is the guy for the Cardinals. Oh, okay, going on that. I don't know. I, I'm still, I don't know. I, you could say that I, I didn't like him shifting from baseball to football. And you have to respect that he's gained notoriety for himself through football. And a uh, quick tidbit, quick note, uh, he is the first person, I think, in modern American sports to be drafted in the first round of NBA, N- sorry, NFL and MLB. Yep. That's pretty insane to think about that. That, uh, uh, what do you call it? That Bo Jackson didn't do that. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. to think. And when we think of two-sport athletes, we think of Bo. But I don't know. I just think Josh Rosen... There's still there's still time there with Josh Rosen, and to think that you're you're that okay Cliff Kingsbury, great that you got hired. I don't trust him because he was only there for one year as a head coach <laughs> at U- USC. Was it U- U- no no Texas Tech Texas Tech Texas Tech? But I remember, yeah Texas Tech. He was only there as like one year or two years as a head coach for Texas Tech. We all know that he coached Patrick Mahomes, and we all know what Patrick Mahomes is now. Kyler Murray is not Patrick Mahomes, and I don't think that his skill set translate enough. He's he, he's his his skill set's great. He's athletic. He can run. He can scramble out of the pocket. God knows he's going to need that, especially with the terrible offensive line that Arizona has. Oh yeah, but he's not like he has like a, an amazing arm. He he has a requisite and above average arm for his size. Obviously, his mm-hmm. size is pretty diminutive compared to other NFL quarterbacks. I just think that there's there's an adjustment period for quarterbacks coming into the league, and it's not even about Kyler Murray. It's Josh Rosen. You should have given him more time. You should have given him um, years under a good offensive line for then to really judge. Because you went from Josh Rosen's our guy in the first round to now Kyler Murray's our guy in the same... The back-to-back it's, back it's years. One year. Yeah. One year. It's one year. It's one year. It's like the NBA. The rookies... It's great if you do have a great rookie season, but it takes a year to get that NBA body. It takes a year for NFL players to learn how to read NFL defenses. Especially at the quarterback position. Especially at the quarterback, and especially coming from a college system now implemented into a pro system. There's a lot of X's and O's, literally, that have to be weighed in on this and why Kyler Murray isn't the guy, in my opinion. Kyler Murray is not the guy he should have been the Giants guy, not going to lie, <laughs> is not the guy for the Cardinals and why Josh Rosen should still be given a chance. That I kind of want to piggyback off of what he was saying because I was talking about this with Mac earlier. Um, 
picking Kyler Murray, I have I I don't really have doubts about Kyler Murray. It's more of since you just the previous year just took a quarterback, Josh Rosen, gave him one year, and then the very next year said, "Okay, we're picking another quarterback with our very first pick." It's like, what does this kind of say to any other rookie going going into that team? Like, you're expendable. You're expendable right out the gate, almost. Like you get a one year trial period. If we don't like, I mean, just halfway like what we see, then you're gone. We're gonna find somebody to replace you. And so, as a football team, that's it. Seems kind of harsh for, especially in a quarterback position too, where they usually give at least young guys a couple years two to to, three years to at least get familiar with the team get familiar with the system get familiar with the league and then go on from a decision from there either move on from him or um just stick with them but josh rosen uh it's it's, i don't know it's 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 tough because i remember last year going into the draft josh rosen had had the highest ceiling, and a lot of people knew that he he's had the mechanics. It's just he has to develop the body, mm-hmm. uh, prevent the turnovers, which he did show. But there have been some a few games where he there were did, flashes. Where yeah. there, there were there were flashes. Every rookie has that, and I feel like to give up so early on someone like him, and like, um, and it's not even about Josh Rosen. It's just about it's Kyler Murray. It's Kyler Murray's moment. And I understand that, but the way that this I felt like this was the number one pick. It was it was too scripted. It's like it had to be that Arizona's management or ownership group said, "Hey, we want this guy to sell tickets. This guy is the guy coming on strong later in the draft, uh, later in the college football season. He's making a great story for himself. We're gonna pick him. It's gonna be a great storyline that he comes in here, has great success. But you do not have the requisite parts to have great success with someone like Kyler Murray, and you're completely washing aside everything that you worked on last year." In Josh Rosen, and you have to think that, oh no, the way Kyler Murray rose up the draft boards to me felt like the way John Morant came onto the scene in the college basketball season. Mm. It's like we didn't know about him. Like obviously, you you kind of knew about him. Like he was Baker Mayfield's backup, and you saw a few games of him the previous year when Baker Mayfield went out after Oklahoma steamrolled a few teams. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think he's proven enough. Enough. My question is for you, for both of you. What do you think would have been the reaction had he not gone number one overall? That there, that I definitely think he would have slid even further in the draft. I don't even think he would have gone second, third, fourth. No, he would have gone to a team that needs a quarterback. I really, really, really wanted him to go to the Giants for the whole marketing thing. Do you think? Do you think that he would have been the first quarterback off off the board still? Yes. Oh yes, yes, hundred percent. I think he would. But I feel like if like we were saying, if the Cardinals didn't take him first, he would have slid further. He would have kept going because the other teams behind him kind of needed defensive needs that they needed to address instead of quarterback needs because, what, the next pick, you got the Niners. They basically already secured uh, Jimmy G as their starting quarterback, and then they have the Jets who went third. Um, and they Getting kinda, Quinn and Williams. Fantastic pick for the Jets, fantastic by the way. Pick. Fantastic pick. I really, pick. really, really like them. They're really, the Jets have made a lot of big moves this offseason. Yes. So they're really trying to trying to load up and go after it this next season. Um, and it kind of it shows, I mean, if um, Kyler wasn't picked first, I don't think they move on from Sam Darnold. I don't even think they would 
even test that. I don't even think they would. I don't even think they would draft him. No. That there, yeah. there, there, there's no thought because I think Sam Darnold has shown more than Josh Rosen did oh, in his rookie year. Definitely. With l- a little bit more, I'll, I'll, I do say that there was a decent offense in in the, uh, the New York Jets system. But I don't know. I feel like Josh or Sam Darnold showed more to where he's locked up his spot for at least two more years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What did he think? Uh, any other storyline or anything else? I just love the Dwayne Haskins storyline. Oh, oh, oh going fifteen was fifteen to the Redskins, and kind of shaking his head at the Giants for not taking him. Like at mistakes seven. have been made in this draft. Yeah. yeah, and I think he, if given the opportunity, he's in the division now. He's gonna take it out on them. Oh yeah, he really has nothing to lose. Either. Oh, he That's has zero so to lose. He has zero to lose when he suits up. Like if he comes into into New York and just plays a decently good game, you can best believe that post game interview is going to look a little something like, "You should have taken me." Oh so. yeah, he's going to have that 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 tone that chip. Throughout the, yeah, throughout every interview he has. I don't know what it is. Like, why can't the Giants just function? Like. I'm really hating on these two two franchises right now. First of all, it's the Cardinals. Second of all, it's the Giants. And the, for me, the Giants, as much as I'm a Chargers fan, and there's a whole thing with Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers in, back in the 2004 draft, that's, that's, that's history. But now the Giants have made so many wrong moves. So many wrong moves. The only, the only good move they made was Saquon. Right. But that's a, that's a shoe win. Anyone <laughs> could have made that. That's like that's that's like here, just drop the ball in the basket. That's a shoe win. They had Saquon like that. It's it's like Eli. Why is he not gone? That's the first question. <laughs> Damon Snacks Harrison. Why was he gone? Why are you letting all these good guys go? Because there's an there is a poor. I would say. I don't know. I, I want to use the Stephen A. Smith term with how Phil Jackson ran the Knicks. We have made, we have been run amok, led astray, deceived, bamboozled, and I'm not even a Giants fan. But who is Daniel Jones, and what is he gonna do that Dwayne Haskins couldn't do? I understand that you had to get a quarterback, but we all knew, everyone and their mother knew that Dwayne Haskins was the best quarterback on that board. At the time, because he's proven it in the Rose Bowl in on a big stage, he's proven it in Big Ten in the Big Ten Conference, a power conference in college football. He has done it enough at the college level to where you think, okay, he can do it at the professional level. And there, I know there was no runaway pick for number one quarterback besides Kyler Murray, but it was it was so easy for the Giants to make the right move. Yet they continue to disappoint me. They continue to disappoint me. And keep in mind, folks, I am not a fan. I'm just, I'm not a fan of bad management. That's what I am. <laughs> clearly. 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 I, clearly. I, I, this, there's a lot of things going wrong. Okay, I didn't even talk about OBJ. Like, <laughs> what are they doing? Like, you could have had Dwayne Haskins and OBJ and Saquon and... Who's their Who's their um, uh, tight end? Uh, oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ebron. No, no, no. That's, that's <laughs> Detroit. That's Detroit. Not um, quite. I'm, okay, it's, but yeah, but that's not that's not the point. 
That is not the point. The point is that uh, the New York Giants have a bad, 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 bad front offense. Bad front office. It's terrible. <sighs> These guys, it's it's like it's like worse than the Bulls front office. Okay, actually, the Bulls front office is actually decent now. Uh, it's it's worse than a lot of front offices. It may be the worst front office in in all of sports. Like, I'm sorry, Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. That's right. Yeah, that's right. He was he was injured. I remember because I was trying to draft him in fantasy football last year. But but damn, like, what are they doing? Like. What is Daniel Jones going to do that Dwayne Haskins couldn't do? And this is all more reason for Eli to get his Superman exit on his way out of his Hall of Fame career. It's, I don't know. I, I've, 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 I've had enough of the Giants being terrible. Because I, I want to I wanna see a big market team succeed. Like, I want to see the Rams succeed. I want to see the Knicks succeed. I want to see the Giants succeed. I want to see the Jets succeed. I want to see... The Chargers, okay, they're actually my team, but I also want, I want to see them <laughs> succeed too. I want to see like big market teams succeed because I don't know, it's 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 been a while. Yeah, because I know we get enough yeah. of that in baseball that I want to see it in another sport. Okay, okay, I I understand that. It's Sorry the Giants. About that, folks. No, it's an extended rant. rant. Go on your rant because I I agree. I feel like the Giants have been making very very not even questionable moves at this point. I say poor moves, just straight up, and. But I see, I look on it on the other end, and obviously, I'm I'm not saying, I'm not vouching for Eli here. Um, he uh, Clearly, I think they need to move on from Eli. But then again, from a Giants fan's perspective, like, this guy did bring you two championships. Um, I mean, huge name in New York now. I mean, that guy is basically the Tom Brady killer, and... Like, you kind of want to see him ride out the rest of his career, just, like, empty out the tank completely. I think that's what the front office is mainly saying. They're just saying, you know what, Eli, we're just going to wait for you to say whenever you want to hang it up, then um, we'll be on our way from there. But go ahead. I want to make one more note. And okay. I, I, I'm, this is kind of a, a point off of you, that Eli is going to get everything out of the tank before he leaves. And that's great that Daniel Jones is the project project uh the 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 patrick mahomes one year uh uh laying in the back they were actually but talking about that they were saying the, the same fine. aaron Rodgers. but why situation? take him with a seventh over sixth overall pick in the draft yeah it's like <laughs> you could have traded down like to to, te, to 10 11 12 to get some pull of browns the the browns are a better front office than the giants and they're the browns but <laughs> I don't know. New New York, New York could have traded down, and that's perfectly. New York could have traded down, not even drafted a quarterback, and I wouldn't be mad because they're filling position, but like filling their their uh, their holes. Mm-hmm. And obviously, QB is a big hole, but they're filling other holes. And then once they find the right QB, everything will be right, and they'll be a good team again. But no, let's draft a project with the sixth overall pick in the draft. Our, it's, Gosh, it's 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 tough. It's tough. because it, I don't see, I don't know. Like, I wasn't that mad about the Chiefs. I'll be. A, I, I'm not a chief. I I don't like the Chiefs when the Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes because I was like, okay, tw- I was like twenty second pick. Mm. That's a decent time to pick a project if there's some real upside there, especially with Alex Smith starting at the yes, time. But and we all know Alex Smith to be a fair weather quarterback, and obviously the stuff happened, and now that's why the Redskins drafted Dwayne Haskins. But 
at the number six overall pick, it's not like any like in NBA, it's like your top three, four picks have to be ready. In the NFL, most the top thirty picks all have to be ready to go game one. They do. Round two is more of okay. Supplementary. Right. Fill in the holes, kind of a stop gap type stuff. See mm-hmm. what we got here. Daniel Jones ain't no stop gap. He's a project. <laughs> the first round, a project? Come on, guys. Like the, 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 there's something wrong. And I know it, it has to be the New York front office. It's that that's it. Uh, that's my piece. I, I'm I'm done with the New York Giants. <laughs> All right. All right. I mean yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, as much as I want you guys to chime in on this, I don't know. I just had this. No, no, go building ahead. You have, to. you have to. No, you dude, have, take you your rant. I love it. Of course. Of course. You have to. But, I mean, I, mean, I, I, I as a Raider fan, I wouldn't say I'm disappointed by this first round and this fourth pick. With the fourth pick, the Raiders went with Clennon Farrell from Clemson, defensive end. Clellan. Clellan. I'm sorry. Clellan Farrell. But... Man, it was a surprise when I heard that name called, to say the least. The other two picks were pretty good. Oh, yeah. Josh, Josh Jacobs, fantastic Josh pick. Jacobs First skill player. And uh, the safety they got out of Jonathan Abram. Mississippi State. Yes. So they, those, I really like those picks. Those picks really did, they did address some needs on both offense with Marshawn Lynch saying he's done for the retiring again, apparently. Um, hopefully for good. Hopefully for good, but you know, I Oakland guy, I'd love this. We've had enough beast more. mode in our life. Hey, I've never had enough beast mode in my life, but <laughs> but it was man, oh, it's just that first one. I I kind of I wanted to hear Josh Allen's name called. I'm not gonna lie, just because that man was almost like a standout. Like if if um. Quinnen Williams was picked beforehand, before the Raiders got to him. Uh, then I was like, all right, well, if Quinnen Williams is gone, the next pick, obviously, is going to be Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. And they come out, and they say, Clellan Farrell. And like, I'm like, who? So I'm like, who? Like, not not really who. Not, not disrespectful, but, like, he's been on, he's on the board, but right, there's better was, choices. Right, right. And to see him go that early, it was a head-scratcher, as they say. And a reach, as they say. Just yes, because a reach. It was... The guy's good. Like, he's good. Is he really top five, top ten talent? Who knows? But what I saw from his highlights and Josh Allen's highlights is this guy is – they always talk about his inconsistency, how he he may be a good edge rusher, probably not the best, like, dropping back in coverage. But it is I, – I look at it, I feel like they went more off of his – look more than his play because you look at Cleveland Farrell the dude's big that's a big guy he kind of has like the same I wouldn't say the same frame as Khalil Mack that they went with but almost similar to the point where they just went with a big edge rusher um I'd say I think I'm pretty sure he's bigger than Josh Allen yeah I'd say so his frame looks bigger than Josh Allen so I feel like they more went uh, he looks the part right so Josh Allen would have been a great uh, pick up just because of pass rush and his uh, his pass his pass defense. Mm-hmm. So, but I feel like the Raiders are really say okay. Well, we're gonna. I'd say, I'd say for them rush. it's like a B draft. Yeah, B so first it round. wasn't. I'd say B minus. Like to be more B minus. Like I'm not disappointed. It's just there could have been better. You no, know, like I kind of expected better. 
So fair enough. And so, I mean, that's basically my little rant. I guess, not even rant. Just talking, talking about my team. I mean, I've been disappointed by the Raiders in the past, so <laughs> it's it's not really, not really like a surprise. Just because I'm well, used to it at this point, but. You know, I still trust John Gruden. I still do. Um, I, I'll tell you what, I, I'm glad Kyler Murray got picked beforehand because I really did not want to see the Raiders take a QB. Um, I really I trust in Derek Carr. Um, I think much of the fan base does, so I really don't think they wanted to see him go with another QB. So um, on that note, I guess we can close out the NFL draft talk and uh, – We'll get prepared for round two. Uh, we may t- touch on it a little bit. Next podcast. Next cast. Uh, yeah. Depending how it goes. We, we'll, we'll see how it goes, and then we'll go on from there. All right, and so we can move on to our last little thing we wanted to talk about for the MLB. We have Vlad Guerrero Jr. making his debut tonight against the Athletics, it is? I think so, but yes. if we're wrong, doesn't matter. He's coming. Actually, no, he's not coming. He's here. Yep. Vlad Guerrero Jr. We've been waiting, and I'm so excited. I am pumped. This it's, I don't know. And if for those who have not seen the Instagram, like the post, the MLB post that uh, that had uh, Vlad Guerrero Sr. or who we like to call Vlad Guerrero, um, his audio message to his son beforehand, fantastic. Go uh, take a look on Instagram. It's on MLB, um, on the MLB account. And if you don't know who Vlad Guerrero Jr. is. Look up his highlight reel. It's unreal. His, I don't know. People say this, and it's easy to piggyback off what people say in the scouts that have seen him. But when you listen to the highlights and you look at the way the ball jumps off the bat and a swing, there's something different. It's electric when it gets off his bat, and he's able to find these pitches almost out of thin. It's like I don't know. He's really polished and he has that power to just go yard what i really like about him is he's one of those rare players you see walk up to the plate and he almost has that intimidation factor the moment he stands in the box as a pitcher looking down to the catcher and even looking at him as a batter you're like man i really can't make any mistakes with this guy like 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 performance wise or not like every time vlad Guerrero jr steps in the box doesn't matter what his stats are. He's going to invoke some fear within pitchers just because the, I guess, almost like the swagger he carries in onto the field and onto the batter's box. Like, that man is, I will say, will be a force to be reckoned with in years to come. And so that's what I kind of wanted to talk about just as we're closing out. Like, uh, like what ceiling floor do you guys see for this guy? He's going to be good. There's no doubt in my mind he's going to be very good. Rookie of the year for the AL. Shoe in. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. I like that. Uh, okay. it's, not, it's not a hot, hot take, but I like the take. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I, I want him to hit the ground running, and I want him, I want the people to be, to. I want people to notice how good this guy's going to be. Hall of Fame, too early to call, obviously. Long career, definite yes. I see a long career, yeah. successful career. That's why I see, like, his. At the very least. That's, right. I think that's safe. Mm-hmm. Safe. If he if he's like a longevity guy and he's playing in years on years, even at a decent level, I I, I could see him making a Hall of Fame ballot. So, um, yeah, I'm just really excited to see him, uh, his, his debut, him get started in the league, and then 
see if he can wreak havoc because this this man he has big shoes to fill with his father Vlad Guerrero. Um, he was a great player. Loved watching him play as well. So it will be very fun to see uh, an offspring of a player of that caliber come into the league. So with that, I guess we can close out today's cast. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Peyton Smith. I'm Matt Leong. And I'm Nick Cario. And we'll see you next time. Later. Later. Peace.